Donald Trump was watching. Now he's upset with Sanders over her stormy Daniels response. Let me get this straight. He's blaming Sarah Huckabee Sanders for the fallout from his affair with a porn star. Happy International Women's Day. There you go. Um, backlash against McDonald's for their turning their M's into W's. More on that to come. So I was uh, watching the Morning Joe on MSNBC this morning, and I see a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner, and I thought, wow, she got invited to the Cool Kids Party. That's the Cool Kids Party for the whole D.C. Beltway set, man, is, is Morning Joe. It doesn't get any better than that. And congratulations to Sarah Westwood for showing up on that. Who joins us now? White House uh, correspondent for the Washington Examiner, Sarah Westwood. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Do you feel like a cool kid now that you got to, that you were sitting there? I don't know. I didn't know it was the Cool Kids Party. Oh, it clearly is. It clearly is. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess that's a good thing. So, did they have you on specifically to talk about the uh, the op-ed uh, piece by, um, what's her name, Weiss, about uh, we're all fascists now, and is that why you're on? Daddy, it's just to talk about tariffs. It was really just whatever was okay. that day. Um, I'm trying to decide where we want to start with you. What was going on yesterday where Trump all of a sudden he says, yeah, you know what, I'm going to meet with that little fat guy from North Korea. How did that go down? <laughs> that was pretty surprising. So, President Trump has actually to my knowledge, never been in the White House briefing room before. But um, obviously, of course, you know, the minute that I left, he pops his head into the briefing room and tells the reporters who are sitting there that at 7 o'clock there's going to be some kind of major announcement regarding Korea. So, you know, I, I had to race back. A lot of the reporters who had already left for the day had to turn around and race back. And, uh, and last night outside the White House, um, the announcement was made that President Trump has accepted the invitation from Kim Jong-un for a face-to-face meeting. Wow, so it was all that fast. Like, did that all happen in, like, it sounds like not that many minutes, the whole thing transpired. It was probably about uh, two hours or so. It was like a little after five-ish that President Trump popped his head into the briefing room, and then by seven, the announcement was being made. But what time did he bring in the guy from South Korea and have the conversation when he apparently just right there at his desk said, yeah, I'll meet with the guy? That must have happened behind closed doors sometime in the afternoon. I mean, you remember he was signing tariffs earlier on on Friday or Thursday. Um, so sometime in between when he was meeting with the video game executives about the gun violence and uh, and signing the tariffs proclamation, there was some kind of Korea-related meeting. So he had a busy day yesterday. God dang it. When you're president of the United States, the days you have sometimes, I mean, that that's quite a, quite a little afternoon. Yeah, I mean, uh, many of us dream of uh, changing history or a mind or two or something as we go through our lives. President can change history three different ways in an afternoon. Yeah, that is wild. So the um, the reaction, it seems to me, has been almost solidly negative, at least taking it through the mainstream press from f- former advisors and, and, you know, all the geniuses on this this whole thing. Of course, Donald Trump doesn't care. Right, sir? Right. Obviously, you know, he kind of revels in the scorn of the elites. And, and uh, you know, I, I think there actually is a possibility for him to have something positive come out of his meeting with Kim Jong-un. This is a pretty historic moment. Um, North Korea had to make concessions for this meeting to happen. The U.S. did not have to make any concessions. That's a key point that President mm-hmm. Trump, just by threatening the regime, has gotten them to come to the table um, and to promise to cease all of their nuclear and intercontinental ballistic missile testing while the talks are ongoing. That's a concession. 
There you go. That That's a point nobody else is making. They made some concessions we did not to get this meeting to occur. By the way, we're in, hearing a lot of wind, and I know you, 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 you're you out on your boat. You catch fresh lobster early in the morning for your breakfast to <laughs> you supplement your reporting income. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Sarah Westwood, Washington Examiner, White House reporter, is on the line. So the timetable to actually get together with Kim is, is quite tight, isn't it? It is. The... the the Kim regime is saying they want the meeting to happen before May. Now, the White House is not laying out quite that specific of a timeline, but they are saying they want it to happen within the next couple of months. They want to have it. It'll be interesting in some kind of location that's neutral to both parties. So there's been a lot of speculation about where that would be. It wouldn't be in the U.S. It wouldn't be in Pyongyang. Would it be in Seoul in South Korea? Would it be in Beijing? China has been sort of an interlocutor in all of these discussion so it will be really interesting to see where they decide to have the meeting i think that'll say a lot about where the administration is at in terms of strategy it's got to be beijing that's a good idea or panmunjom where they had the the korea peace talks back in the 50s i'm right on the border Uh, that seems most likely or i don't know do you have the president of the united states with that within gun range of of a hostile country do you do that i mean how about just the security of it yeah maybe beijing is a better idea yeah. Interesting. I'm 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 stewing over this like I'm in charge of it. Uh, I guess I'll just relax and let them tell me where it's going. So to be. Miralago's <laughs> off the table. You can't just have Kim come and uh, play around a golf and that sort of thing. I'm assuming not. I think it would give him too much legitimacy to extend an invitation for him to come to the U.S. Well, you know, we're of the opinion that his nukes give him legitimacy. Yeah. So you know, yeah. the rest of it's just icing on the cake, and he clearly loves cake. To look at him. <laughs> um, but so, listen, we're we're really happy for you, Sarah, and you're doing great reporting, and, and life's got to be pretty exciting for you right now. It is, yeah. Actually, it's been it's been a busy week as well. Well, you you ended up being the White House reporter during the most interesting presidency in our nation's history. I mean, that's quite a thing. It's lucky, I guess. That's that would be luck. Huh. No, I, I know. I know you have lobster to fish for, so we'll let right. you get back. To well, how soon will can we expect your memoirs? That's my my final question. <laughs> Sarah Westwood, don't Probably don't even. Take a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with all the lobsters to catch, right? Sarah Westwood, uh, the White House reporter for the Washington Examiner. Hey, Sarah, thanks a million. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. If we are so fortunate. <clears throat> so let's get this right. Says one texter, one dictator, and a wannabe dictator are going to have a training session. Trump is a dictator going to dictator school. Please. <laughs> Don't be a crybaby. Trump couldn't be a dictator if he wanted to be. Oh, number one, we have a system that is way, way too good that will prevent it. I don't have 1% concern. I didn't know about Barack Obama when people on the right were screaming he was going to run for a third term and impose a dictatorship. There were some executive orders that I thought went way beyond the pale of what an executive order ought to do. But then, you know, he's voted out. He's gone. The next guy overturns those orders. The courts are looking into it. We're going to be fine. Trump's going to be a dictator, please. God, Chicken Little, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Do you have any idea how ridiculous you sound? Um, And we got this text. Um, Oops, when McDonald's turned their logo upside down, I didn't see a W. In all innocence, I saw boobs. What did you see, Joe? I saw a couple of legs up in the air. It did. It was unfortunate. It kind of looked that way. Teat. Boobs. Looked like a pair of boobs. Yeah. Nah, and and there has been a backlash against McDonald's 
Harsh, harsh criticism. After I ate McDonald's, I have a backlash against McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would tell you about that backlash, Jack, except my browser has crashed. The same browser uh, that was uh, designed partly by our guest a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact. That's too bad. That would have been perfect right here. The backlash against McDonald's when we come back. We got this text. Donald Trump does not move at the speed of government. That is some of what annoys people. No, 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 no. Things can't happen this fast. Things have to happen really, really, really slowly. Oh, yeah. So we'll do the McDonald's thing in the conventional wisdom on summit meetings, among other things. It's Friday. Do some fun stuff, too. Yeah, well, there's a chance that the villain... I'm using my finger quotes from The Bachelor. Crystal is going to come on at 9 o'clock with a little behind the scenes on that whole thing. And um, there's also a chance she won't because she was not happy with the appearance that we did with her last night. Oh. Which I'd like the chance to explain if we had the opportunity. So uh, stay tuned. All that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So International Women's Day, was that is that a thing that's happened every year and I just didn't notice it, or was it thrown together hastily? Listen to the misogyny. <laughs> yeah, I just I was unaware of it. Yeah, it's a UN thing. Is that right? I don't even remember. But I heard somebody, uh, I think it was on NPR yesterday, you know, we need to draw attention to the challenges of um, a women having access to education, little girls having access to education. <laughs> and it's been pointed out by me and many others that in our current version of the United States of America. You ain't got to worry about girls. It's the boys you got to wor- worry about. And there's all kinds of data to back that up. Right. And right. all levels of schooling. Yeah. But h- how long do you push the girls aren't getting an access, getting access to education or the right to speak their mind or whatever? How long well, are we talking that? about the Sudan or in the, the Western world? Because it's not in a the, thing in, in the Western yeah, world. In the United States, it's over. All right. Yeah. You, you won that. And, 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 good, and good. I'm glad it happened. And by the way, it was an, an idiocy and a tragedy of several aspects of the women's movement that they demonized little boys. And it with tragic consequences, in my mind, um, in which uh, act, a little boy acting like a little boy was turned into a pathology by the progressive school teachers of America, especially. But the idea that to be pro-little boy, you got to be somehow anti-little girl is every bit of the dumb. So let's try to, you know, just understand the differences between boys and girls and their needs. Of course, that makes me a fascist, according to various social justice warriors, so the first recognizing the, the first that there are differences. First International Women's Day was 1975. I remember it well. So, <laughs> I uh, somehow had missed them all these years. Fast food behemoth McDonald's, they're a purveyor of quote-unquote burgers, <laughs> uh, temporarily flipped its iconic logo and switched its packaging in some U.S. locations, a move meant to celebrate International Women's Day. Now, the first thing I thought when I saw an up-down side McDonald's M 
somewhere was how, how did they do that those right. signs turn upside down how, did they use a crane what did that cost they must have saw it coming and uh, they've been working on it for years and top secret but so they flipped their upside uh, their m upside down uh, for a w for women's day how lovely well the stunt i'm quoting now because i couldn't possibly write something this silly <laughs> the stunt has rung hollow to many of the company's critics who say mcdonald's has systematically advanced policies that disadvantage its female employees in particular the company has fought a sustained battle against increases to the minimum wage an issue that affects women disproportionately all right all right <laughs> all right <laughs> It's the it's the, the rearing the ugly head of the uh, disparate impact uh, theory that uh, you know if if anything's unequal it's automatically unjust and something ought to be done about. I thought it. you were going to say that regular McDonald's uniform hi- hides a woman's wiles. Well, it certainly does. <laughs> Can't even tell a gal's a gal in those uniforms. How about something a little tight? Whatever happened to the 1960s stewardess uniforms? Oh, Come on. Oh, geez. According to the Labor Department, Jack, women make up nearly two-thirds of all hourly minimum wage earners. Did not know that. And recent research suggests women benefit most from increases in that minimum. Well, if the first figure's true, then the, the second, second one. one's going to be. <laughs> Duh. Hey, McDonald's, tweeted Nathan Lerner, a progressive activist. Maybe instead of a cheap PR stunt where you make a M into a W to support women, you do something real, like paying your workers a living wage. Because obviously, uh, Nathan, you economic genius, anything a human being does, anything, if you have a human being show up once a day for 45 seconds and blink their eyes twice, then go home again, that should be worth a living wage. Oh, no, that that's too small. So you agree that would be not enough value to a business to pay somebody, say, $40,000 a year. Okay, what if they showed up for five minutes, blinked twice, and then did a little tap dance, and then went home? Would that be worth $40,000 a year in value to a business? Okay, now I, I have cleverly maneuvered you, Nathan, into having to admit some things do not bring enough value to a business. To deserve $40,000 a year. Welcome to the exciting world of economics. Yeah, that's when you got to watch out for is when people conflate living wage and minimum wage as if they're the same thing. As we've said many times, and probably should be paid only the minimum wage for saying, because it's so obvious to, well, it's not obvious to uh, progressive activist Nathan Lerner, evidently. Hey, somebody just texted this. Hey, Joe, that same article goes on to say that three out of five McD's managers are women, which is pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I don't, case. yeah and well, I don't think they have a case at all. Um, but uh, so, yeah, that's that's a good point, And thank you for that. Uh but as we've pointed out many times, the minimum wage was never, is not, and will never be designed to support a family. It is the minimum wage to pay a worker who brings the minimum value to a for-profit business. It's a starter job. It's a filling in the cracks job. It's a getting vacation money job. If mom wants to work a little bit or dad or, or sis or bro, or it's never, ever, ever been what progressive activist Nathan Lerner seems to suggest it always should be. What color is the sky in your world, Nathan? Signed, Joe. 
I saw an upside down McDonald's in yesterday and I thought they were in distress. I was about to call 911. No, that's a flag. <laughs> We've run out of frozen meat. At first glance, I saw a pair of McDouble D's. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's... I, I wouldn't have thought it looked like boobs until somebody told me. But once you tell me, it does kind of. Like uh, an old granny's. I mean, from like the old uh, cartoons. I don't look at my grandmother's boobs, so you'll have to tell me. <laughs> oh, nice. Good one, Jack. Neither yeah, <laughs> do I. Well, well <laughs> Looks like a couple eggs in a sock. I mean, come on. Uh, all right. So, I, you know what? Uh, once again, McDonald's, nice try. You tried to get progressive. You tried to please the social justice warriors. You can't. You have to spend your entire life, every day, focused entirely on what you're supposed to be saying today and how you're supposed to be saying it. Otherwise, you'll say what you were supposed to say yesterday and and be called a fascist today. So don't even try. This is a good one. If two out of three McDonald's workers are women, then we need to fire some and hire more men to make it 50-50. Right. Yeah, which of these issues are you going to attack with that stat? The fact that the f- because they have way more women than men, you're cheating them on the wage, or that you're cheating men by not hiring them. I mean, we have unemployment, and you're not you're and you have a choice, and you're right. hiring more women than men. So, how which, long will we put up with this oppression? Who are you being unfair to? It's well, yeah, yeah. Um, but if three out of five McDonald's managers are women, uh, I don't know. I'm telling That's you. That's more than half. So once again, you need to hire, you fire some of these McDonald's managers that are women and get it to 50-50 if you want to be fair. The clown, the hamburger burglar, the, the grimace, they're all there in the boardroom right now. And if the clown has any sense, he's saying, F it. Huh. There's no pleasing these people. Notice Don't even try. men there, too. Hmm. Let's yeah, just, exactly. Oh, hamburger, ma- hamburger, man. Grimace, man. Maybe they should hire Wendy away. Ronald McDonald, dude. <laughs> right. What, what is that It's a freaking about? sausage factory in there. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No, ironically. Uh, wow. Okay. So, but anyway, they've all got to say, all right, F it. There's no point in trying to please them and go back to crafting their delicious quote unquote burgers and their yummy, yummy fries. And then, then just do your business. Man, it's an old boys club. Is there other than Wendy? Is there a woman involved in fast burger uh, commerce? I don't Jack. think there is. Jack is burger Jack's King. wife occasionally makes an appearance, and she's really attractive. Burger King had his queen wife beheaded, if I recall. That's right, right. His first two wives wouldn't give him a burger son. Yeah, Wendy's the only one. Hmm. Well, there you see it right. In there. and out burgers, just you know. Got the burger. The old and out. They don't <laughs> They don't need an idiotic mascot. <laughs> Who decided you need a mascot for your burger anyway? Um, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the skeptors and doubters decrying the upcoming Trump meeting now with North Korea's leader. We're going to get Practically into that. everybody is. And heads up, there are pantry pests living in the spices in your kitchen. Should you be afraid? Coming up I had a girlfriend that had pantry pests. And she oh. gave them to me. Ooh. Yeah, I'm telling you. Ooh. Oh, wow. My dad warned me. I should have listened. God, we have uh, pantry moths or whatever they're called. Have you ever yeah. had that? That is the worst. Yeah, I think we did once upon oh, a time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll take advice from anybody. Honey, get rid of those damn things. Stay with us. Marshall's News coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, so um, Dave was just in here. Did he say anything? Have we heard from Crystal? 
No, no, I didn't ask. Okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna hold off on the conversation until we know whether or not she's calling in. Crystal from The Bachelor. My wife was very excited that uh, that I met her last night, but we did get her to do her her uh, funny voice that she did, her sexy voice that Jimmy Kimmel had her do the other night. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, a stunning shift in the U.S. relationship with North Korea. President Trump accepting an invitation to meet with the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un. Now, Kim reportedly has offered to put his nuclear weapons program on the negotiating table. Florida Senator Marco Rubio, Republican member of the Foreign Relations and Intelligence Committees, though, was on CBS this morning and sounded very, very skeptical about the upcoming meeting. And the fundamental question is whether or not Kim Jong-un will ever accept not having nuclear weapons. That, that's at the core here. Because if he's not willing to give up nuclear weapons and the ability to strike the United States, then my sense is that this is basically an effort to uh, undermine international sanctions. Now, another round of reports says the Pentagon was caught totally off guard by the announced meeting, and there's been a lot of grumbling, supposedly, by staffers at the State Department. Don't let them grumble. Oh, yeah, please, grumbling at the State Department. It just seems so clear to me. All you freaking geniuses with your ideas for the last 30 years have accomplished diddly squat. You allowed the craziest regime on planet Earth to get nuclear weapons that can hit the United States. So I'm all for trying something completely unorthodox, because so far, nothing has helped at all. Well, and again, if this uh, effort fails, what we have is what we have now. Right. I mean, the chances that Trump goes in there and like tries to attack him with his hands and is dragged off by Kim's <laughs> guards and, and Kim uh, uh, you know, stumbles out screaming, this means war! I mean, that, that's not going to happen. So something a little funky, a little unconventional, why not? Now, back to Marco Rubio, little Marco, bing, bing, bang, bang, so Thirsty. You ever seen anybody drink water like that? Right. But anyway, Marco, he's absolutely right. I mean, the chances we can offer something or threaten something that makes him essentially lay down his gun is is very very slim. I mean, it's right to be spec- to be skeptical. But the the, quote, the the career hacks at the State Department grumbling. That's what they do. They're grumblers. Grumble's gonna grumble, man. <laughs> One of those firmly, though, in President Trump's corner, former NBA star Dennis Rodman, who's gone to North Korea a number of times and uh, knows Kim, is praising Trump for agreeing to the meeting. In fact, Rodman has been telling the Associated Press he is now looking forward to more basketball diplomacy in the coming months. It's going to open the door. Open the door, that's it. There you go, open the door. I'll tell you what, If it's possible that this is the case, that the sanctions have actually made... Uh, hurt North Korea so much that he's concerned his country's going to collapse, just collapse. I've and, heard that. That surprises me. But. That's a possibility. And if that's the case, if Trump's sanctions have actually forced them to the table and, and forced them into a situation where he thinks, you know, i got to give up my nukes or my country's going to collapse and then I'll be out of power also, um, then Trump has got to get the Nobel Peace Prize. Right, with Dennis Rodman. With Wow, co, yes. co-winners. Look at these guys here. Look at them. Like when it was Arafat and Begin. Exactly. Except this time it'll be Trump, Trump and Dennis Rodman. And Rodman. <laughs> yes. You know, the, uh, the, the, the panda in the corner of the room is China. And we, uh, we haven't really brought China into this discussion. If the North Korean regime is actually on the verge of collapse, it is only because... She of China has willed that they be on the brink of collapse. 
and then he would have to be quite confident he could reel it back in from collapse because that would be a disaster for China, according to everybody, and I think they're right. So is his recent move to become president for life, essentially, a message to Kim that you're not going to outlast me, uh, you're my biatch, and here's how it's going to go? I mean, because any, any speculation about how this goes or how it might go that doesn't put China squarely in at least the co-pilot seat is just silly. Although... Because they're a huge factor. Um, Anything that's headed... points us toward a reunified Korean peninsula. China hates the idea of that. Oh yeah, they want a client state. Well, my friends, I've got a warning for you. There could be bugs living in the spices you have in your kitchen. They might contain what's being called pantry pests. According to the Penn State uh, College University researchers, the pantry pests are insects. You're saying pantry, not panty. No, pantry. Pantry pests. Oh, boy. She's wearing her silk pantries. So not the panty crickets. (laughs) No, boy. No, no. Oh, boy. Something totally different. (laughs) Pantry pests, insects that attack foods that are in your cabinets, like flour, cereals, herbs, spices, chocolate, and a whole lot more. I'll bet you Buck Marshall's about to tell us they eat fecal matter. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know these things existed. They're little moths, and uh, I'd never had them in my whole life. And if you get them in your house, they're damned near impossible to get rid of. And we've we've called I don't know how many different exterminator-type people. And they say, well, you've got you've got to get rid of everything you have in your house, pretty much. Yikes! Um, and it's almost impossible because if there's a if there's any food item anywhere where one is living, then they're back. So we've thought we've had them killed a number of times over the last several years. Right. And so then when you go to open a box of cereal, sealed box of cereal, the plastic not open at all, right. you pour out a whole bunch of moths. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. That's crazy. S- stuff that is sealed up tight right. there into. Right. You know, you, you, un- you un- tear open the, the bag of a, a breakfast bar, yeah. and there are moths in there. I thought I knew what you were talking about. I've never dealt with that. That oh, sounds like a nightmare. It is. Oh, yeah. It's freaking horrible. And the pest people say, there's there's no traps for them. There's nothing we can do. All you can do is get rid of everything you've got and fumigate your house. But that, that's easier said than done. And, sure, sure. And, and the researchers are saying, you know where they come from? It's likely they were inside the food when yep. it was packaged. That's what happens. At some point, we got a uh, a bag of flour or a box of cereal or something that had them in there, and then you introduce them into your house, and you are screwed. Yep. Wow, that's amazing. It's like the uh, the kitchen version of bed bugs. I, it, it, in terms of difficulty yeah. to kill and the it's rest It's disturbing it. that they can get into packaged material the way that they do. Yeah. How do they get into They burrow through the plastic? No, 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 no. Are no. they magical? The experts are saying it's likely they were in the food when it was packaged, so it came from the plant. Yeah, but they get in there after yeah. you get them in your house. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. bring in uh, sealed cereal. We bring in sealed all kinds of stuff. And if it's in the cupboard for a week, then sorry, it's ruined. Maybe you ought to stop uh, shopping for your groceries at that North Korean surplus site. (laughs) Kim O's. It's your kid's favorite cereal, I know, but... Kim O's and chocolate jongs. Oh, they're delicious. And here's another heads up. You're more likely to spot them in the summertime so they where they flourish in warm and humid conditions. You know what we did for a while? What's that? Weedy uns. <laughs> Joe's killing himself. 
<laughs> so one, one of the things. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> one of the things we did for a while, we, the, we each kid had a fly swatter, and we right. give them each a buck for every kill. Oh yes. If you, Can I come over? If you get a kill, you get a dollar. Wow. But you can't. You can't stay in front of them. The moths are flying all over the place. Wow. Yeah. And we kill them. In, How now, big are they? They're tiny. Yeah, they okay. look like a moth. Yeah. Um. And and we've given to. I mean, the the dark humor we have about it. We give them all names. Harry, and then we kill him. Oh Linda. Oh, wow, that is dark. Because wow. they just—if we're sitting around eating, they're flying around while you're eating dinner. It's tragic. Fun with pantry pests. Oh yeah. There you go. Barbaric. That's, if you've had success in getting rid of them, hit me with a text because me and anybody who's ever had them, we're looking for a for a solution. That's a wrap. That is your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Between that and the mice in my house, it's a little oh, li- like living at a dump. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh. Ooh. Her. <laughs> nice. You considered a maid. <laughs> Jeez. You're better off with that other bug you mentioned. Oh, yeah. That's a lot easier to get sure, rid of. Sure, a little comb, a little salve. And less shame, really. <laughs> oh, boy. Not a lot less. Well, not everybody needs to know. Somebody comes over to your house for dinner and there's moths flying all over the place. <laughs> we'll be back with more of my wacky names for North Korean cereals <laughs> after this. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. solutions for the pantry mods that I've heard before where you've got to get rid of every food stuff you have in your house or, you know, pantry or storage anywhere. Wow. Freezer and fridge, too, or? Probably not the freezer, but probably the fridge. Okay. Um, Got to get rid of absolutely everything. Then you've got to wash down every shelving area where you've ever had food with a vinegar solution. And then for the near future, put any boxed food into sealed plastic containers and set traps. That's a lot of effort. And we kind of tried that, but didn't go in 100%, and 100% wasn't enough. Uh, so I hope you just never end up with pantry moths. It sucks. It's time for drastic action. Yeah. Um, so here's another one of these examples, and it's from the same area of the world. It's from Portland, Oregon. Article in the New York Times today, we are all fascists now. An opinion <laughs> piece by Barry Weiss. It's weird. I don't feel like a fascist. I've noticed you wearing a brown shirt a lot, though, Sean. Well, you are, I guess, in the eyes of some of these people. I'll just read from the article. Christina Hoff Summers is a name I recognize. Is a self-identified feminist and registered Democrat with a Ph.D. in philosophy. She's also a woman who says things like, Men and women are equal, but there are differences between them. Or, the gender gap in STEM fields isn't simply the result of sexism. There's some differences in the way men and women's brains work when it comes to science and math. I can't believe you're quoting this Nazi. Or, contrary to received wisdom in the way that was portrayed yesterday during International Women's Day, um, the American school system actually favors girls currently, not boys. That's clearly true. 
Oh, that's yeah, absolutely. It's true. There's all it's kinds undeniable. of there's all kinds of statistics to show that, but you're not right. supposed to say that out loud. When a person that does say that sort of thing out loud steps foot on a college campus these days, you know what's coming. It was on Monday at Lewis and Clark Law School in Portland, Oregon, where Ms. Summers had been invited by the Federalist Society to give a talk about feminism. In advance of the lecture, nine student groups, among them the Portland National Lawyers Guild, the Minority Law Student Association, the Women's Law Caucus, the Jewish Law Society, and the school's Young Democratic Socialists of America chapter, sent a letter protesting the appearance by this, quote, known fascist. (laughs) She's a feminist and lifelong Democrat. Known fascist. Wow. The letter added that her invitation amounted to an act of aggression and violence and went on to offer a curious definition of free speech, quote, Freedom of speech is certainly an important tenet to a free, healthy society, but that freedom stops when it has negative and violent impact on other individuals. Oh, boy. That's cute. That is so cute. Free speech stops if it has any negative impact on another individual. In other words, if you're offended, you're right. Right. Or or you get to silence anyone who you claim has had any negative impact on you, including emotional Reading from the article again. Yes, What a psycho point of view that is, man. It is. Yes, these future lawyers believe that free speech is acceptable only when it doesn't offend them, which is to say they don't believe in it at all. No. For the lecture itself, a student wearing a jacket emblazoned with the command, stay woke. Puke. Led protesters in shouting, microaggressions are real. And no platform for fascists. Ms. Summers handled matters as gracefully as possible, but had delivered only half her lecture before Janet Steverson, a law professor and the school's dean of diversity and inclusion. They have that now at various universities. The dean of diversity and inclusion asked that uh, the speaker cut her remarks short and take questions from the hardy souls who somehow survived the violence of her words. In other words, sided with the protesters. The heckler's veto worked. Right. Right. How dare you? I mean, you got to expect this. If if at a different school, um, they started screaming "You're a fascist" at someone who said men are taller than women on average. If that was too much, well, then you certainly can't get into you know men and women's brains are different in the way it handles math and science. Right, and that was the crazy part about the Portland State video was that you know you know they're leading up to that. That was the topic they came to address. But as the evolutionary biologist says, I mean, there are certain indisputable facts, like men are on average taller and have more muscle mass. And the social justice warriors, as we played you yesterday, jump up and say, I'm not hearing this. I'm out. Fascist. Fascist. And you're like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. You're supposed to wait till she says something that's the least bit controversial to anybody before you start calling her a fascist, which renders these people impossible to parody. Worth pointing out, as Sean said yesterday, most of the people, even on the college campuses, don't buy this crap. You got the New York Times for crying out loud, pointing how out how ridiculous it is. Yeah. So the the ah yes, yes, but there was a backlash against the New York Times. I'm sure there was in the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm sure there was. Yeah, yeah. Barry Weiss should be fired. That's the gal who wrote the piece for the New York Times. Evidently, she cited at some point a couple of Twitter accounts that were fake, and therefore she's something or other. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. The critics immediately pounced on her latest piece Wednesday, seizing on an internal link in Weiss's story to a fake Antifa Twitter account to launch a broader attack. As if, listen, you don't need fake Twitter accounts to paint Antifa as a bunch of violent, lunatic idiots. Please. The reality is that's what they are. 
Listen to this. Oh, no, someone was rude to Christina Hoff Summers, the anti-feminist. Blah, blah, blah. Basically the same thing as the Spanish Inquisition. Basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to, hard to argue with that. Yeah, I agree completely. The Monty Python yeah. sketch? <laughs> no, no, that was actually a thing, Sean. Google it. <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, let's see. This effing, effing website keeps resetting. Nice job, San Francisco well, Chronicle. So- you designed a website that's unusable. Barry Weiss should be fired and replaced with literally any random person. This is not satire. I'm actually serious. It would be an improvement. Well, if you replaced her with any random person, then you're going to end up with someone who agrees with her because most random people agree. Uh Conservatives and liberals agree that that, you know, it's gone into nonsenseville on uh, on these college campuses. But as long as the administrators let it <laughs> let the protesters win, it's not going to go away. At some point, they got to have the cojones to stand up. Harvard uh, was pointed out uh, by Barry Weiss on TV this morning. Harvard invited Charles Murray to the to, to speak at Harvard and said he will get to speak and we're going to make sure he does. So. Some of your institutions are learning are, are working Beautiful. really hard because Charles Murray, he's a libertarian who he and his uh, person with him got beat up at a college campus earlier last uh, late last year. And uh, so but that the only time it's going to end is when the administrators start saying, look, you don't get to interrupt these speeches. You got to get out. Here's a tweet from Amanda Marcotte, whoever that is. Remember, Barry Weiss calls herself a classical liberal. Jack, a classical liberal. Someone who believes in the free exchange of ideas, the liberty of man, uh, natural rights, etc., etc. Uh, Barry Weiss calls herself a classical liberal, a favorite term of alt writers who wow. mistakenly think they're cleverly fooling you. Wow. wow! So classical liberal is now cover for quote unquote alt writers. Wow! I'm telling you, you can't mock these people because they're so Looney Tunes. That is crazy. Uh, met a woman from The Bachelor last night. How did it go? Stay oh, tuned yeah. to the Armstrong and Getty Show.